The Origin Story Podcast, Episode 3, Justin Hall. It's my favorite part of every superhero movie. It's The Origin Story, and everybody has one. Welcome to Pinecone Turkey's The Origin Story Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Henry Harris, and it's my privilege to interview superheroes from all walks of life to find out how they got from A to B, to see where they might be going next, and how we all can learn from their journey. I mean, I, I had some dark times, honestly, but but my buddies, you know, really, honestly, got me through. Yeah. In fact, they had like a little intervention with me at one point. They're like, "Yo, um, are you comfortable talking about that?" Yeah, yeah, I can talk about. It. Well, what kind of intervention? What well, I was I was drinking way too much. I was in I was in a destructive, toxic relationship, and uh, they sat me down and three of the toughest dudes I've ever known had tears in their eyes. And that's when I realized, man, I, I got to get my shit together. If these dudes are worried about me, you know, um, then, and I, I'm, when I realized I was hurting someone, that's when it sunk in. Like I was just being selfish and self-destructive. Cause you were hurting your friends. Yeah. That- you know, and I was hurting the theater. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone is doing okay. As I'm recording this, we are having an official snow day down here in Atlanta which, of course, could mean anything from two snowflakes to two feet of snow. Uh, this is somewhere in between. But the roads are pretty nasty out, so uh, I hope everybody is staying home and safe. Uh, today's podcast is a real treat. Uh, I've known Justin Hall for over a decade now. We started out as improvisers at Whole World Theater in Atlanta, and we discussed that for a bit. But what's really fascinating about Justin to me is uh, his ability to transform uh, really who he is in his life. Uh, he is completely someone who has went through a dark period and has come out the other side and is doing great. Uh, what he does now and what he's known as is the Atlanta Dog Wizard. So he spends his time training dogs and we dive deep into different training methods We talk about what books somebody should read if they're interested in getting a dog and training them. Uh, We talk a lot about uh, his process, how he went from, you know, basically a a coat and tie worker to being able to dress how he wants and work with a man's best friend. So it's a a fascinating conversation. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Justin's a great guy, and I hope you all enjoy. Justin Hall. Michael Henry Harris. Thanks for being on the show. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. My, my I was pleasure. flattered that you actually want to talk to me and hear about me. Heck <clears throat> yes. Uh, tell me, if you were meeting somebody at a party and they ask you, so what's your deal? What do you do? How do you answer that oh, question? Oh, man. Uh, so I do tell them I'm a dog trainer. Um, that's generally the easiest way to go about it. I mean, I own a dog training business, but I also operate it. But... You know, most dog trainers don't like regular people to know that we're dog trainers. When like we go out to eat, or we go, especially if we go to a party, you get bombarded with yes, questions and free advice. Like, I kind of know what doctors feel like, except for you know they probably spent a lot more money than I did for my education. <laughs> yeah. But I told my wife on like our first date, do not tell anybody that I'm a dog trainer, especially a waitress. Outstanding, because <laughs> I just want to order a drink. I love that. Uh, well, let's see how you got here, man. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Duluth, Georgia, not too far from here. Outstanding. Um, what is Duluth like? Duluth is very suburban. 
<laughs> I mean, it's your, like back in the day, in the 80s, which the 80s seems so idyllic now. Isn't that crazy? Um, but yeah, back in the day, in 80s and early 90s, it was it was pretty quiet, not much going on. There's a lot of development there now. <laughs> um, but it was fun. I think it was just what you picture, small town, middle America, middle class family, hardworking dad, worked for General Motors. Mom was a counselor at the high school. What did he do for General Motors? He was an engineer, and uh, beyond that, you got me, bud. <laughs> I don't so know. he was not coming home saying, you know, oh man, I worked on this. No, no, he wasn't on the line. He he was a he went to Georgia Tech and got a a, a degree in engineering is really all I know. I should probably know more, but I didn't really ask him about it because he would just come home and fall asleep with a newspaper on his face. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, he left every morning, got up at four a.m. Oh, and was crap. out the door, and then came home and then just passed out on the recliner when, or a couch. Yeah. Or? On a on a Barca lounger type thing. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Do you have uh, siblings? Yep, I got the two brothers are twins, and um, they are eighteen years older than me. No kidding. My sister is sixteen years older than me, um, and I was yeah. I came along when my m- mom and dad were forty, and my dad always told me I was the best mistake he ever made. Holy shit, that's <laughs> awesome! <laughs> but yeah, it's it, that. A unique dynamic that you know a lot of people don't don't have is having brothers that are essentially uncles. Yeah, what is that relationship like? We're I'm, I mean I've it's all I've ever known. I mean they're but from what I can tell it's very similar except for you know they weren't picking on me as a little kid because <laughs> right, they were too right. old. They were in college when I was born, but they've always just been like my brothers. Like even when I was like ten years old, I could like cuss in front of them and stuff you know what i mean yeah so they weren't they were not living in the same house with i you think they came back or, they, one of them was yeah and then they of course off and on came back and, and lived at different points in their life while they were while i was growing up but they were working or you know they were out late i didn't see them that yeah. often but i mean I, we've got a great relationship i'd say for having an interesting dynamic so were your parents because they've already had these older children were they kind of hands off or were they oh yeah i there's definitely a little resentment from my uh my brothers and my sister because no rules, i did was you? so well yeah i mean it's completely different time and my parents were so much older and like they have a lot more resources at this point <laughs> so they pretty much just threw money at me <laughs> and trampoline and nintendo games and that was it <laughs> outstanding i love that i love that a lot. so did you have do you have pets growing up Oh yeah, um, actually, one of the reasons I I'm so fond of animals. We had a lot of dogs all the time because my dad used to train bird dogs just for the heck of it. Like people would send really? dogs, and he would just was he a hunter? Yeah, um, bird um, like quail, pheasants, duck, and things like that. And he would just do it for the heck of it because he used to do it as a kid. That's how he ate. Like he where did up, he grow up? He grew up in Winder, Georgia. Okay, which, that's outside of Athens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that probably then and was back then. You know, I think he was born in nineteen forty-five, forty-six. Um, but back then, it was he was like dirt poor. You know, his literally his uh, his grandfather was a sharecropper. So um, and. Uh, so he used to like train dogs to like, he had a bunch of beagles and he would train them to hunt rabbits and stuff. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up with a bunch of dogs, but yeah, the, my first dog I ever had uh, was when I was eight. Her name was Shadow and she's a Boykin Spaniel. Okay. What is uh? I'm not a huge dog person. I mean, I love Boykin dogs, Spaniels but like, I don't know what a, they are. A Boykin Spaniel is a pretty rare breed anyhow. And at least in the States, uh, you don't see them too often. I mean, if you're into like bird hunting, you know what a Boykin Spaniel is, but okay. it's a lot like a, 
It's kind of like a muscular cocker spaniel, I'd say. All right. <laughs> I mean, they got the goofy, fuzzy ears. They're gorgeous dogs. I actually have one here now. It's the first one I've trained in, in seven years of being a professional in Atlanta. Oh, that's cool. Which is crazy. Yeah, it just worked out that way. But so did your dad pick it out, or did you pick it out? No, or? my mom's friend up the street just had happened to have Boykin Spaniel puppies, and then she surprised me for, uh, like, and it just happened to also be a bird dog. But, yeah, and then we had two more dogs growing up, um, Golden Retrievers. Okay. And how old were you? Do you remember when one passed away for the first time? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, so I got Shadow when I was like 10 or 11. So I feel like she passed away when I was early 20s, maybe 20, 21. But yeah, it was, I wasn't living at home at the time. And I, I came home just because they told me she had passed. Um, and I dug a grave for her and buried her. Oh, my God. And it's the worst. I mean, pets are just like you're automatically signing up for just it's, to have your heart destroyed. It's the worst. And yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> I mean, it's a good, I think it's a good lesson and a good way to teach kids about, but you yeah, know, life, but damn, that sucks. Totally. But I mean, as somebody put it to me a long time ago, you get to have a bunch of really strong relationships over your lifetime, yeah. you know, if you're a good pet owner, you know, so you're lucky to have all those different relationships, right? you know, and there's just like, I think in with human relationships, there's always that one right now. I've got the one he's right. He's walking around yeah, is that, is that Randy. Yeah. Randy's the man. So, um, we don't, we're not going to talk about his, <laughs> he's 12. He look, doesn't look a day over four though. No, Randy, Randy is fine. I don't he's, know where he is. He's over the end there. He's being quiet. Yeah. He seems very, uh, nonplussed. Um, what was high school like for you? I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> this is fresh on my brain. Cause I just passed off for my, my 20 year anniversary or <laughs> anniversary, uh, reunion. Yeah. I just never dug it. You know, I was friends with everybody though. Like it wasn't, I can totally see like, that. Um, I had friends that were like punk kids. I had friends that were jocks. I had friends, you know, that were nerds. Um, but everybody just, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I didn't, it never felt right to me. Like what we were, like, we we're all gearing up to like go and just go to college and then just go get these jobs. I don't know. I never was on board. I never knew what the hell I wanted to be. Either. Did you like middle school or was yeah, it, I mean, it was, in general it was, or was I, it just getting older and being like, wanna, what the hell are we doing? I mean, it, it was just, I don't know. It all just seemed fake to me. It just seemed silly. I don't want to sound like some fucking angsty douchebag. <laughs> and then I see pictures of the reunion, which I debated on whether or not to go to. Right. Um, and it was just, I looked like just a one miserable, awkward conversation after the next. Like I would have been, and I'm nothing against all the people I went to school with. They're, right, great, right. they're great people. Amazing people. We have different goals. You know what I mean? And I just knew it back then. I, I, I didn't know how to get it, but I didn't, I knew I didn't want to go. The, the I guess I've always been kind of a contrarian. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but like I didn't I didn't want to go that route. Yeah. And to be honest, my some of my best friends from high school actually passed, which is awful. I mean, I'm I'm no not shit. I'm not 40 yet and I've, you know, You've I, lost. I, I lost one of my very best friends um last year from high school, but and the other ones didn't graduate. <laughs> <laughs> or we're in a different grade, you know? Right. I don't I don't have anybody that like from high school that I'm really really close with. Yeah. That or at least it would have been at that reunion, you know? Yeah. I went to one reunion and I was glad I went to that and I don't think I ever need to go to another one yeah. ever again. <laughs> I couldn't have, like the 10 year reunion no way cuz I didn't have a gig or anything. I think I was just yeah. an improv actor. And I'm not going to show up like that. But right. uh no. Um does not sound like fun to me. Yeah. Were you a good student? Did you care about grades? Was I didn't care about grades. I think I've always been a solid B. Yeah. I always, you know, and like when I, when I really like the 
curriculum or whatever, I can I could do an A. I don't. I just always always been kind of just enough to get by type of guy. I understand. I understand. Uh, did you go to college? Of, oh yeah. Where'd you go? I went to Georgia State University. Outstanding. Uh, the concrete con- campus. concrete campus. <laughs> Not enough people call it that. Pounce. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good Panthers. Uh, what? So what did you study? Um, double major, film and theater. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. How, where, so when did you get into theater? Like you don't just um, choose that major randomly. It was, I liked, I really enjoyed theater at my high school. I never did any plays or anything like that because I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't brave enough to be honest with you. I was worried about, but I did like some set design stuff and, you know, I always liked literature and uh, plays and I was really as dorky as it is, I was really into Shakespeare. <laughs> but I love it. Um, I knew if I was going to go to college, I wanted it to be in something that I liked. Okay. So I didn't know what I was going to do with a film degree. And I didn't know, but I was I was performing and working at Whole World Theater at the time doing improv. I was like, well, this could be a career. I'm pretty good at this. So, so you were doing improv while you were in college? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I think I was main stage right before I graduated college too so tell me just a little bit about the program at georgia state like what kind of classes were you taking what well, did film you do? film there and obviously atlanta's had a huge film explosion lately and a lot of people actually went to school with that state are, are working but they seem miserable to be honest with you <laughs> all right i'm gonna come back to that <laughs> but um i was gonna say oh uh so a lot of film was just theory not much hands-on and i was an idiot and i should have t- taken an internship somewhere but again i wouldn't be here if i had you know, I'd probably be working at Turner or something, which is nothing wrong with that. It's probably great, but I don't know if I'd be as happy as I am now, to be right. honest with you. Um, and for, as far as theater went, that was really hands-on. Um, our se- We had a senior collaborative performance, which was a lot of fun. Some of those people are still some of my best friends, too, from that What does that senior collaborative performance like you just, mean? You, we, we, you can do whatever you want. We decided to do like a, a sketch show, a more artsy sketch show, if you will. I wrote, okay. a, I wrote a monologue about it on an a uh, painter who really like worked very hard to try to make it and he just hated Jackson Pollock because Jackson Pollock <laughs> was just a bunch of splats and everything so his final piece was to climb up atop of a building and jump and kill himself and he signed his name where he was going to land so he was that splat at the end of it i think it was called like Splat versus Pollock or something like that. Too. I think your chances of not being an angsty douchebag are now ruined with, that, <laughs> with admitting that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm very transparent too. I'm trying to recover. That sounds very, very cool. Yeah. Um, so I read on the internet, and of course you can't uh, can't trust everything on the internet. But did you uh, did you work during college as well? Did you have a day job? Yeah, no. I um, I managed a dog daycare. Um, here in, in Atlanta, it's not a, it doesn't exist anymore. But this guy was starting one up, and uh, how did helped, you find that? Kind of helped him open it. Well, when I was looking for gigs um, to pay, help, you know, help support me while I was in college, um, I was I want to work with animals. You know, I've always kind of wanted to work with animals. I didn't know, you know, what, what that would what, entail what necessarily. Yeah. And uh, but it was just dog daycare and. Very hard to find somebody that'll get up at six thirty in the morning and come clean up dog poop. Is that but, what you have to do? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> especially when like he made me like the manager. I was like, cool, I'm a manager, but that meant that I was like, <laughs> I was the last. <laughs> right. If nobody shows up, then you got to go in. And that was me. You should or not? Yeah. That was me all the time. But I didn't manager. You know, I'd rather do that than he, it worked with my schedule too because I'd finish at like three, be able to take a nap. Um, so what should people look for in a dog daycare facility if they're if they're doing that? Trust your nose, number one. 
literally. <laughs> yeah. So if it smells if like you, it hasn't if been you, cleaned, if, if, or you, that... if you walk in and you instantly smell urine and poop, vomit, all 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 three of the the holy trinity of gross, <laughs> yeah. um, then you should probably turn around and walk out. But I mean, the thing about there's so many dog daycares now is that, and they just they just try to get as many clients as possible. And if there's any sort of issue, like if a dog's playing quote unquote too rough for them then they'll just toss the dog. They won't give you a chance. They're not really concerned about like because there's always correcting behavior because the there's always somebody else and it's just so much liability. They can't take a chance of a dog getting hurt because of one bad review and that's it. Oh, that, interesting. You know? Um, so, but just be mindful of that and I would ask them about, you know, what are their rules for behavior and how do they separate dogs? Some people just separate dogs based on size, which is, kind of stupid <laughs> i mean it's it's intuitive i guess but um you want to make sure that should be done by color right yes exactly <laughs> you want to make sure they're they're matched more for personality and their and their play style but not a lot again a lot of daycares just don't take it that far so what's uh and we'll get to more dog stuff later but like what's the okay you can't be home all day you got a dog at home uh, of the alternatives of like doggy daycare or mm-hmm. let them run outside in the yard or hire somebody to walk your dog like what's I'd say all three, really. Ideally, you want to have a house with a yard. I mean, a bulk of my clients live in Midtown um, and live in high rises and stuff. It's and <laughs> dogs are just miserable, but they do the best they can. You know, you can't right, so live in condos or apartments. They're tr- yeah, they're trying their best, you know, and they're at least they're hiring a trainer. And a lot of them, they make enough money to where they can take the dog to daycare and they can get the walker and stuff like that. But if you can't do that, you really shouldn't take on a dog. I mean, you really just got to match your breed for your for your lifestyle. And that's where people, I think, have a hard time as well. But back to your question, um, yeah, all three. But <laughs> <laughs> so how long? Uh, how, so how long did you manage the uh, the doggy daycare? I feel like two, three years. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you, whatever you learned there, you're applying now? Or yeah, you know, or no, I'm learning what not to do. I'm, I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of trainers from a, like at different levels in their career now that I'm at seven years into it, which is crazy to me. Um, and it's amazing how much I learned that I didn't even realize I was learning just from dog behavior. No, oh, that's cool. Like, um, I can like just judge body language and things and it's, it's some people call it intuition, but I think you, you get intuition in areas like that from just experience. And I was just immersed in it every day. I would go in there and I would do a crossword puzzle and, or, or I'd read a Kurt Vonnegut book <laughs> and just hang out with dogs all day and just like pick up on different sounds and stuff. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but I learned a lot of little tricks that a lot of people don't know. That is that is very, very cool. Uh, so I want to talk about improv for a little bit because that's something you and I have in common. Um, so how did you find Whole World? Or did you do improv somewhere else beforehand? You're, you I was know, just telling the story the other day because I was 20 years old when I found Whole World. And I was hanging out with this guy. And this is before like craft beer was a thing. How long have you been in Atlanta? Do you remember? Um, I moved here in 95. Okay. So do you remember this place in Buckhead called John Harvard's? No, I okay. do not. I, I, it's right across. I was not a Buckhead guy. It's right across from where the ESPN used to be. Well, I wasn't either, and this is when I was nineteen or twenty. And you okay. know me pretty well, <laughs> so you know I've I've actually matured a little bit. But but this guy told me the secret to drinking underage is always order a Paulner, which is a hefty wise. Are you familiar with a Paulner? I am familiar yeah. with Paulner. This so, is hilarious. So he he told me to order a Paulner, and so I'd always go to places where Paulner is. And the reason I was asking about John Harvard's is because. He would take me in there as I think well. I remember the name of it. They have dead yards of beer. This was like yeah, a and they, well, it was like your first like microbrew 
place. It was before craft beer was called craft beer, which is right. called microbrews or whatever the hell, um, where Sam Adams was the most exotic beer you could get here in Atlanta. Exactly. Uh, but anyhow, so we were going to places like that, and then um, somebody told me about this place called Whole World, and I was 20. Um, so we went down to hang out, and we wanted to watch some comedy. I've always been like into comedy as a kid and stuff like that. And I, I look, sure enough, they've got Pawner for sale behind the bar. So I ordered a Pawner. Sure enough, I don't get carded. Boom. Um, for those people that don't know what I look like, I'm six foot seven, and I have been since I was sixteen. <laughs> have you really? <laughs> yeah, and I had like a decent. I had a decent beard at the time too. I think so. Never got carded. Then something happened. I, I since I knew I had a place to drink, I kept coming. And like just two or three weeks later, I met Brian Chapman, who we both know and admire and love. God um, bless him. And uh, the the bartender who will remain nameless since he served me underage right. offered me a job to clean up and i was like hell yeah i'll clean up and make a hundred dollars cash and hang out with these actor types and talk shit and drink beer because they think i'm 21 and then on my 21st birthday i told the bartender that it was my 21st <laughs> yeah. birthday after we had been friends for was a long mad time or no? he was mad for like a week no i thought he was just gonna be okay with it but yeah. he took it seriously but that's what and that's when i met everybody just because i had a place to drink <laughs> That is Under outstanding. That's, that's that's a good reason. Uh, how you? So you were at Whole World. You enjoyed that. You were mainstage. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I can't thank everybody there enough. To be honest with you, um, I look back and there were some ups and downs and things like that. But everybody there pointed me in such a, a great direction. Everybody was so supportive of me. And if it wasn't for them, I mean, it, that, that's like one of the biggest turning points in my life was Whole World Theater. To be very, honest, very very cool. I mean, it led me to so many, so many op- opportunities. Um, so, so tell me about one of those opportunities. Tell me about the Village Theater. Well, yeah, and creating um, that, and we, um, tell me a little bit about it. I can't take too much credit or any credit at all for. <laughs> they call me. They, they call me a founding member. That's them just being nice, because a bunch of guys. There was a misunderstanding or whatever. I don't want to get into that, but a bunch of guys got let go from Whole World. And they decided, hey, let's let's start our own theater. And like back then, like that's such a crazy notion. Like we're gonna start our own improv theater, like because we had like such a reverence for everything that we had done at Whole World and the actors. And how the hell do you do this? And now, there's already other. So the Whole World was a Whole World improv, mm-hmm. and there was Dad's Garage. There's Dad's, you know, which is a great theater. And company. I think Relapse was trying to get started at the same time. Okay, um, which is another ex Whole Worlder. And um, there's Basement, but you never really heard about these places. Our whole life. And, and world, sorry, it was whole world. Um, but anyhow, I was in Arizona um, trying to follow a girl, which was a bad choice, but a good choice because it led me here. But um, <laughs> I can sense a. And uh, these guys theme. had a meeting on their back porch um, and they decided they were going to do it. And things didn't work out for me in Arizona. Uh, so I came back and they were like, we, we want you, we need you, you're awesome. Come on. And I did. Um, so I was one of the earlier casts, but. I wish I had more credit then, but I mean, those in those early days at Village Theater, we we rented out this pretty crappy <laughs> place that no longer exists. But those were some wild times. Well, tell me a little bit about trying to market that and get it off the ground and try to get it audiences because now you're an entrepreneur, and I imagine there are some similar. There are, things. Um, you know, it's it's crazy because this is right when, I mean, social media was was in its infancy and there wasn't that much marketing on it, you know, but that was a huge, people weren't doing that much marketing. I should say that was a huge boost for us um, using that, but more than anything, it was just getting out and just talking to people and getting them to come see your shows. 
And you know how it goes, man. You've got to get word of mouth to get butts and seats. Right. You know, and that's that's the biggest thing ever is word, especially for comedy. And then people were just telling people the great times we were having. We teamed up with like this burlesque troupe, and they had a ton of people. They were from Athens, and they had a huge following. And they got us a bunch of people, and then just, you know, slowly but surely. I mean, there were some very lean nights. There's nothing like doing improv for two to seven people in an audience. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really, really rough. It's tough. Uh, so this is your out of, out of school now. You're yeah. uh, you're doing improv at night. Mm-hmm. What uh, what are you doing during the day? What I'm you, working. I'm working bills? for this uh, event housing company where yeah, we neg- yeah we we negotiate with hotels and like cute big conventions, meetings, and things like that to get group rates for their attendees. Um, I was miserable from day one. <laughs> um, well, how did you get the job? First of all, a friend that I, of a friend that we uh, performed with at the village, one of my close friends. Okay, uh, his his partner um, was my boss essentially. Um, not essentially he was, but I mean, they're very sweet, and everybody was again. Everybody was there, and they were awesome. They're wonderful, but it's not for me. You so know? it was sales primarily, or is it logistics? <sighs> client, client services. Client services. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know. I was getting paid pennies had to wear a, like a dress shirt tucked in if you, you can hear the disgust <laughs> in my voice i was miserable but i mean everybody again everybody was friendly but it was awful but and then seven months or no i'm sorry about a year and a half in i got laid off and that was it was terrible how old are you then about Let's see uh, i think it was oh nine so 29 okay 29 single laid off 29 single laid off feeling great about yourself terrible seven months uh i was laid off worst seven months probably the easily the worst period of my life so how did you uh how did you get through that um drugs alcohol yeah (laughs) uh bad relationships (laughs) i mean i mean the theater was a place to find all of those all of those things (laughs) yeah no how did i get i mean I, i had some dark times honestly but but my buddies you know Really, honestly, got me through yeah. it. In fact, they had like a little intervention with me at one point. They're like, "Yo, um, are you comfortable talking about that?" Yeah, yeah, I can talk about it. Well, what kind of intervention? What well, I was I was drinking way too much. I was in I was in a destructive, toxic relationship, and uh, they sat me down. And three of the toughest dudes I've ever known had tears in their eyes, and that's when I realized, man, I I got to get my shit together. If these dudes are worried about me, you know, um, then. And I, I'm, when I realized I was hurting someone, that's when it sunk in. Like, I was just being selfish and self-destructive. Because you were hurting your friends? Yeah. That- you know, and I was hurting the theater. They got suspended from the biggest party place on the planet. <laughs> we were BYOB, anything goes. But I was too drunk to do a show one night. I fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, my God. And um, they suspended me. And it was like, oh, well, you're going to suspend me? And I was angsty douchebag yet again resurfaces. <laughs> But it worked because it sucked having to watch. The, you know, I had to come up and be the house manager, and it sucked having to watch the shows and not be able to participate in it. Is this at Whole World or Village? Village. I never got suspended from Whole World. One of the few that didn't. So what? Um, <laughs> I was an angel there. So you're still are you still doing improv? Not as much. I still okay. work with the Village technically, but I haven't. I mostly as a, as a host. Um, and to be honest, I've kind of fallen out of love with it you know it's always going to have a special place in my heart not the, the, the theater specifically just doing improv right actually it's i don't know well what is it's your kinda, it's kind of lost its its luster i've kind of got 
I'm obsessed by dogs and dog behavior now. I love so. I love that more so than that. And, and I've got a wife now too, so I, I wasn't getting paid before. I was just doing improv to get laid. Let's be honest. <laughs> and it works. It works. <laughs> I met my wife through doing improv. There we <laughs> go. I'm very happily married. Uh, so, what is your relationship with like drugs and alcohol now? I don't do any hard drugs. I and I didn't back then. Uh, I, I mean, you know. I did one that was bad and only I only had one bad night, but, uh, um, you know, I'm like everybody else. I, I, I have a, have a good time on Saturday and Sunday. I want to, I'm probably more of a, more drinks than most people do on a, <laughs> on a, on a Saturday. Yeah. But, uh, it's definitely something you could pump the brakes on, especially as I'm advancing in years, but you know, do what you can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something I still, I still, I still battle. Yeah. You know, I, I know that I drink too often It's and, and too much. It's crazy. Um, and I went, I try to go, I try to take like 30 days off every year, at least 30 days consecutively, not. <laughs> yeah. I don't I can do. I like I your program. I don't. I don't throw darts at a calendar. <laughs> do you pick? Uh, do you pick the same month every year? No, it's changed every once in a while. Um, I always like to have a catchy name for it. You know, like sober October. Sober or October. No November. Um, <laughs> um, uh, February nowhere. I can't remember what was up. That was terrible. <laughs> I think I just made that one up. But um. I try to like get a grip on it. My wife says, you know, she's like, you're either one or the other. You're either completely <laughs> sober or you're staying up with your friends doing shots of James until three in the morning, you know? Yeah. But what is, uh, what is hashtag, uh, PLF party? Like fuck. That's, uh, that's where did that come about? That, that, <laughs> Oh, the legend. Actually, if you look on, um, what's it called? Uh, urban dictionary, we've submitted a, the, uh, history of it. So, so, our good friends, I believe I can mention them by name because they're wonderful people. Josh Warren. You know Josh? I do know Josh. Okay. And and I know you know Christopher Clabo very well. God bless both Clabo. Both beautiful human, human beings. Brothers. Literally brothers. I love you guys. Um, we're at, we were doing a traveling show up in Athens. We, were, we, were, we would, that uh, burlesque troupe I mentioned, sometimes yeah. we would go do shows with them, which was really cool. I could do a show at the 40 watt. That was that was one of the coolest things I'd ever done because I went there as a kid to see like REM. Hell yeah! When I was like twelve or something. But anyhow, um, it was probably cooler to me than anybody else. But uh, they were talking to this uh, bartender, and he's like, "You guys party?" And they were like, "Yeah, we party." And they were like, they, they was like, they were like, "Do you party?" And the dude's like, "Yeah, I party. I party like fuck." <laughs> and it's just taken off from there. Now I kind of hold, I kind of keep that flag flying more than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, because it was a huge thing when we first started. It's kind of gone. It's not as in vogue as it used to be. Right. Um, but I still put it on everything. It's 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 my lifestyle. I God bless. Well, you for the, it. and it doesn't always have to be drugs or or booze no, or. That's or a very anything. limited thinking of the word it's, party. It's you know um, celebrate everything. Amen. Is, is, is a motto here at the household. So tell me a little bit after you got laid off seven months. What did you do next? Um, filed for bankruptcy, bankruptcy, uh, unemployment, um, <laughs> didn't have to file for bankruptcy yet, but, um, that was a fucking kick in the pants. If you've ever had to do that, anybody out there has ever had to do that. I'm with you. That was awful. You're in there and you're surrounded by a, a bunch of people that have definitely not had as many <laughs> opportunities as I have. And I'm like, what the hell have I done? It's right. like, ugh, I feel terrible. You feel gross. And it's a penance they give you um but i had this apartment it was like 800 bucks 
a month um, right off the belt line. Now, somebody just moved out of there. It's like 2000 bucks a month. Oh, my god, It's crazy. But anyhow, so I had to pay that. Um, so I was just odd jobs here and there. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I actually did for money other than unemployment. Do you have a dog at this time, too? Or yeah, you- Randy's been with me. He's 12. He's been with me since, uh, do the math, 06. Yeah, okay. 05. Um, and uh, he's with me. He's partying. We're living in the apartment. He's getting, And this is part of it is I'm spending a lot more time with him. And he's kind of got some problems. Like he's a great dog, but he's, you know, back then he was like really amped and like would be really dog aggressive with other dogs and things like that. So, you know, I kind of was just spending some more time with him, not thinking anything of it, but I was applying for all these. I kept thinking I needed an office job, you know, and I kept applying to these gigs and it wasn't for me, you know, sending out resumes, waiting for people to call. It's just the worst in the world. So why did you think you wanted an office job? Um, is it just the norm of what everybody's doing around you? Yeah, or? and that the toxic relationship I was in at the time that she had an office gig and I was trying to, I don't know, man. If I wouldn't, think, I wouldn't think clearly, you know, and like, um, and just the money too. It's like this would be cool to sure. have. It's, it's guaranteed, and I was like, I can fake this for a few years. I can keep pushing emails, <laughs> you know, and then eventually I'll be doing what those people that don't do anything are the bosses, you know, but. And it just wasn't working out. Hired a career coach too. Like, uh, what was that like? It was a waste of 150 precious dollars of mine at the time. <laughs> but, I mean, what, the guy did just, you take a test? Or no, they, I just went like, and met with him. Like he could have, he probably could have helped if I went further with it, or actually, you know, it's just it just wasn't working. Like my resume was not lining up with things that I wanted to do. Film, okay. and, th- film and theater grad, du- double degree. That's awesome. What, you know, and applying for theater jobs nothing pays you know nothing at, at this yeah. you know it's tough and i needed money asap um and like my resume i would ugh, just filling out those automatic ones too and then those fake um job offerings where they like they say you work for all these brands nickelodeon nfl oh, and you, you show up and they like want you to go in front of a walmart and sell like uh coloring books and stuff <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's so terrible. I went hiving up in memories yeah, of these it, ads. Yes, yeah, I call that the douche chills. <laughs> Ugh, I'm getting, I'm getting them as well. But yeah, it was just, it was a nightmare. Um, so what was the next job? Well, I didn't have a job for seven months. I mean, I just odds, you know, odd jobs here and there, and just you know, making what I could. And then I was miserable, and I was at, I was really. Like I, had, this is after I'd kind of the dudes had kind of sat me down and I got my shit together and I was really you know trying, I was trying really hard and like interviews weren't going well. There's nothing worse than a fucking interview. Interviews. I'm so glad. I, I hope I never have to have an interview or a first date ever again. Oh my god, those are the, the those are life wor- goals right there. The yes. Two worst th- Once you got those exactly. behind you, they're kind of the same thing. They, even, they are. You know. Once you've got those behind you, it is smooth sailing. But um. They were miserable, and I dreaded them, and I wasn't getting called back for. I didn't. I don't think I got a second interview ever. But I was with a friend, and um, one of the things I've learned from my journeys, you, you got you got to kind of listen to the little signs of the universe. I'm I'm not a religious or faith based person at all. Nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's never like you know, um, moved the needle for me. But somebody said to me, you know, maybe you're barking up the wrong tree, and she didn't mean it ironically, right? whatsoever and i didn't take it as ironically that time but i i did say well cool tomorrow i'm going to search for gigs that i like and i like animals i'm going to quit using my keyword as client services or whatever so i just typed in dog training and there's a woman in um charlotte 
that was looking to um, expand her franchise and willing to train you have to move to Charlotte for six months. Um, and it's like, okay, this is perfect. You mean I get to go six months? I get to get away from the, I wanted out of this relationship too, but mm. she just kept bringing me back in. <laughs> but I get to get away from this girl. I get to, I get to take a breath of fresh air, get away from all the, all the excess at the theater and things like that. I love the guys, but maybe I need to, to get my shit. No, together. it's a hard environment to be, to, tr and, to transition and transform. And so I hurriedly put my resume together. It was the first time in seven months that I didn't embellish on my resume at all. And I was like proud of my experience at the dog daycare. Like I used to like minimize that when I was applying for these office gigs. Right. You know, even though there's some management skills, I don't want to hear that shit. No. And I'm sure, you know, well, maybe I don't know, but, the improv is not a necessary job skill. People like to kind of twist it like improv is so important. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they have the, 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 that, the right? career coaches that or whatever the, the improv that comes out, help you communicate with your team. That's <laughs> bullshit. Come no, on, get out of here. That's, that's whoever's theater's, making, theater's needing some yeah, money. <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. Whoever's doing that and making a living, God bless you. But, um, my wife just did one recently. All right, good. Well, good. I hope she's making some money. And it was transformative. So good. Yes. Corporate people hire theaters. to do. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, you get a lot out of it. Um, but <laughs> I sent it off to her, and um, and finally got. I finally heard back from her, and she's like, "Yeah, you're perfect for this. Get up here." So I just packed it up and went for it. So, what would you tell somebody in a similar situation? Maybe not as dire, because it sounded like this was really like a like a just a life saving yeah, I had, kind of opportunity. I had probably like eight hundred dollars in the bank at the time. So yeah. this wasn't like any. You didn't have any sort of like hard decision to make no well, like, I mean, let's let's be clear let's be clear i'm a very fortunate person that that has you know, very supportive parents in any means necessary if i wanted to i could have moved back in with them and done it and a lot of people do it and there's no shame in it whatsoever Hell i totally no. could have done it you know and I didn't, been hopefully grateful for it yeah I, I would have and i'm very thankful um to live the life that i do and it's it's because of how i was raised but um I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to move back into my parents. So I was like, I'm going to go for it. But yeah, anybody that's, I mean, you got to go with your gut. My, my, I, I felt like it was a great idea, but more than anything, I knew I had to make it work. So tell me about moving to Charlotte and tell me about the training. So um, get there. There's another guy from uh, Nashville, younger kid, great guy. Um, and he's, we, we have to live together. She provides us this, little townhouse that he and I uh, live together. Um, great kid. Uh, we had a lot of things in common. He's a, he's a volunteer though. It's not, you know, he grew up in Tennessee. He doesn't have many Oh, options. that volunteer. Yeah. I got <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I do feel but, sorry for him. And then I thought I knew a lot about dogs, you know, and then I was just each day, each week, like I, my mind was blown. So you were there for six months, six months. That seems like a really long time. It's a very long time. Um, you know, thankfully I didn't have anything tying me down. You know, yeah, I could I could have been there for longer if I wanted to too. Um, I think the plan was plan was actually for me to stay for nine months. And I love Charlotte. Charlotte's a wonderful town. It's great. It's like mini Atlanta. Okay. Good food. Great night life. Um, great people. Lots to do. Um, but and so I had a great time there. So how was the training broken down? Like, give me a. Give me a typical day, like in your first month. Give me a typical typical day at the end. So in the middle, we were the thing. first ones to go through. Oh, really? And it was a so we were kind of guinea pigs. So she she owns this dog training 
studio, I guess. Franchise. Yeah. Franchise. We'll okay. say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, so it just starts. I mean, you pretty much just get right into it. I'll never forget the first time I met her. Um, and I love this woman dearly. Um, she's my dog training mentor, and she's a, a supreme talent. Uh, former basketball player for the for Wake Forest as well. Oh, very cool. I think she's got like their three point record too. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Anyhow, um, she's got a kid strapped to her back on one of those backpacks where, like, the kid, like, it kind of looks like Yoda. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. Luke, you know. Yep. <laughs> and she's working, and she's and she goes and she grabs this giant pit bull and brings him out, and it's a green dog, and green dog is. This dog training jargon for never had any training at all. Okay. Um, and uh, starts teaching it to follow her, which leads to heal with this kid on her back. And this, she's this tough, and I love a Southern accent. You know, I, I instantly am endeared to you if you got a legitimate Southern accent. She's just like, all right, so watch what I'm doing here. And, anyway, and this kid's just on her back smiling. Right. I'm just like, this is one of the coolest ladies I've ever <laughs> met in my life. I will do anything she says. And she was a straight shooter. And so from then on, it was just like, we're gonna, you're gonna learn everything about dogs. Honestly, you know, outside of medical stuff, it was all behavioral stuff with a focus on, because everything that I do is a focus on basic obedience, using that as like our bridge to solve a lot of problems. Uh, what would uh, basic obedience? So what would what would be other bridges? Well, base, um, so basic obedience is come and call, sit down. Okay, um, and a couple other heel heel where the dog walks next to you, just to give you a, kind of a broad stroke there. Um, if the dog, a lot of biggest problem people have with dogs, they think one of the biggest problems is they think that dogs speak English, and <laughs> they can't understand words. German, if, right? If, they speak German. Yeah, yeah, German and uh, Creole. Um, they they can they can understand words if they're taught them correctly, but we have to get there. So we want to. We want to set up some boundaries. We want to create some structure. We want to give them some mental stimulation. Start with basic obedience. And I will say a vast majority of dogs, possibly 80% of dogs, these issues that people contact me, if we just focus on basic obedience, we don't even have to specifically address the problem because the dog gets some mental stimulation. It gets some clear boundaries. It gets some clear communication, and that's what they want. So, so what would be the problem they would call call you for? Though? Okay. Um, just biggest thing that we deal with is just goofy energy. Like a dog, okay. okay just, I always use a golden retriever as an example because everybody has met a golden retriever in their life, and everybody's had a golden retriever jump on them, most likely, when they go to a friend's <laughs> yeah. house. Sweetest thing in the world. Most people don't mind it, but as the dogs get bigger, you know, some people do mind it. Right. So... That's, let's just say that's the problem. Every time friends come over, dog is all over and won't listen, um, hopping up on the couch, hopping up on my guests, stealing food off the, off the table. And I just listed several problems, but to me it's just one. Mm. The, the dog isn't focused, and he doesn't have a positive outlet for all this energy. We need to replace that undesirable behavior with a desirable behavior. So we would use basic obedience, one of the commands being a recall. Doorbell rings, call the dog to you. Um, and then we teach a place command, <clears throat> excuse me, which is asking a dog to stay on something a different height, different texture. If you go to my Instagram, Atlanta Dog Wizard, um, you'll see a lot of dogs standing on stuff. That's a place command. But the more practical application is doorbell rings, call dog to us, dog goes to dog bed in place, happy to go there. We've created a positive and calm association with it. Guests come in, instead of getting jumped on, guest either goes and greets the dog or throws the dog a treat so the dog has a positive association starts rehearsing a new behavior every time it hears a doorbell 
Okay, that's that's the end product. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it's to me. I always tell people dog training isn't easy, but it is simple. You know, you gotta you you just gotta re- repetition. Repetition is very simple. The mechanics to it are, are straightforward, and you just gotta keep doing it and be consistent. Do you remember your first kind of light bulb moment while in uh, in training in Charlotte, where you're like, oh, there's so okay. many, man. It All was right. every day was just like like huge. Um, I had a my relationship with dogs was from the dog daycare aspect. We're just dogs, like a dog daycare, dog park. It should be a free for all for dogs. They should be able to do whatever the hell they want. Um, and that's all I was saw was, would see was just happy, energetic dogs partying and playing. I'm not seeing really troubled dogs because they're, they're, if they're troubled, they can't come to daycare generally. Okay. And so I saw I, remember, I saw this puppy come in, seven month old lab, and labs are notorious for being ADD, for lack of a better term, and. Um, this guy showed me a couple of commands. He had taught the seven month pup <clears throat> and they got the thing so focused and it went and found his keys for him at seven months. He had a, he had, um, cloves in a little jar attached to his keys. And he taught his dog at seven months to, to find the smell of cloves. And, and, and that, so he would always find her. Oh, keys. that's amazing. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And this is my first day. And I was like, that's possible. The dog was only seven months, so he had done that in a matter of months, you know. <laughs> but that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and now that's like child's play. <laughs> I see people share videos with me all day on Facebook, and I'm like, cool, seeing that, cool, seeing that, cool. Seeing yeah. that, cool. You know, they all, but I always have to act like they're the first ones sending it Are to you me. Hard, oh, you're wow. hard to impress now. <laughs> oh, there comes that douchebag again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you are you graduate. Um, I do. What happens then? Like uh, the idea was to come down here and open my own, um, and I did. Three, but the first three months were terrifying. So, are you buying into a franchise? Yes, 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 yes. So, the Dog Wizard is the company that I work for. We're the um, Columbia, South Carolina, Atlanta, and Nashville are the first three to go outside of Charlotte. Okay. Now we have twenty three locations all over the southeast, and we have one in, somewhere in North Dakota as well and one in um colorado as well but um, and you are the atlanta dog wizard atlanta so you have dog, this area yes. but it's it's completely autonomous to them i send them a check <laughs> once a month and you know we we have some core values some core themes you know like i said with the basic obedience and things like that but we're all unique um they offer some of the locations offer more services than i do it's just you know, it's the reality of your location, really. I only have time, really, to do basic obedience and problem solving. So, solve and where did you training. come back? Where did you end up living? With my parents. Okay. All okay. Right. So, I, at, that's a great by, place at, to be. We're starting six, a new business. At six months, you know, I was like, I, it took me six months to come to terms that I'm going to have to live with my parents for a while. And it was tricky. You know, it's hard to get the word out. How, um, how did you? How do you start a new business? How do you, you get clients? You hit the ground, man. You know, I went to I went to vets. I would take a um, a jar of dog treats into vets, and I would put my I made postcards with my business and some pictures of Randy and some other dogs I'd worked from up in Charlotte on there, and like you know, just put some cards next to it to take it. But I would give it to the doctors, the vets, and be like, hey, can you just put this on your counter and give these treats to your clients as they come in? You know, just w- waiting by the phone <laughs> for it to happen, and you know, it took a long time. Uh, I was training friends' dogs for free, just to create some content to post, build on, some word of mouth, as post well. on social media. I'm very fortunate from all my improv work and my and that I have such a huge network. As as you know, yeah, 
Atlanta is a small town. It's much smaller if you're an improviser. True <laughs> <laughs> that. You've met everybody, um, and through wherever different avenues, this crazy, silly theater shit takes you on. But luckily, I got a a, a, a an older lady. She contacted me with a Chihuahua, and I'm like. A Chihuahua puppy. I'm like, oh man, really? No, why really? Because I, mean, like, I know why I think why why really, but like, why why does a it's a tough professional think why it's, really? It's she's not. It's not the type of dog you want to start off with. It's definitely there's why especially not? especially a young into it because I mean looking back, I know exactly I would approach this dog completely different than I did. Um, you what you're hoping for is somebody needs a German Shepherd train, somebody needs a lab train, somebody needs a golden retriever okay, train. But, these, but why? I'm going to get to that. <laughs> these are three. These are three very motivated breeds. Okay. Okay, and they're bred for this motivation. So we really just take that genetic and we just bring the most out of it. and We use that to an advantage. Chihuahuas are bred for appearance, and their and their reward system is pretty much sitting on somebody's lap and being a jerk. <laughs> But I, I had to do whatever I could, so right. I took I took this guy in. You know, they're they're not the easiest thing to teach ob- obedience to and, and be consistent with it. But yeah. you know, I did I did a really good job with this dog. Um, it's when I was living with my mother, and I'll never forget this dog. I mean, I'll explain that a little bit more too. But um, my mom fell in love with this dog, and this and um, the lady who I was training the dog for reminded me of my mother, a little bit older. Um, I would guess she was about 80 or so, a little bit older. Sorry, mom. My mom just turned, <laughs> my mom just turned 75, um, and that was seven years ago. But um, um, when I took the dog, had to take the dog home in the morning, my mother started crying. Oh, my gosh. Because she had grown so attached to this dog. And I'm like, Mom. You know, when your mom cries, it makes you cry, right? Of course. Okay. We're, we're being very vulnerable today. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm like, Mom, you can't do this every time a dog comes in. You can't fall in love i'm like she's not going to she's going to see pit bulls pretty soon she's not going to want to anyhow take the dog home and um um the dog does great lady was super happy and then i get a call things are going well i got another client lined up after that that was that was my first payday um and i get a call like two or three weeks later from the woman's son and uh the woman had taken very ill and one of the reasons she wanted help, like she wanted me to teach him how to go on pee pads and things like that because she, her mobility was limited, mm. but now she couldn't get out of bed. And this is a sweet old Southern lady. <laughs> Again, I'm a sucker for it. So he wants to know if I would be willing to take the dog. The oh. dog's name is little man because I told, I told her how much my mom loved him and all that stuff. And she sent like my mom, like as, sweet southern ladies are, are prone to do a nice little card like thank you so i mean <laughs> i love that i know it's the, it's quaint and it's amazing my wife still does that and i love that about her by the way one of the many things but anyhow so i call my mom and uh and i say mom um i got some i got some bad news but i i think it's gonna work out for us i just spoke to little man's mom's son <laughs> and uh she can't keep him anymore and they want to know if, if you'd be willing to take him and i heard my mom like like melt and then <laughs> yeah. she, she kind of put the phone down and she talks to my dad she goes bobby can we keep him <laughs> like i had done so many times like come home with dogs can exactly we so and that's one of those little signs of the universe i was talking about so right. little man is on my mom's lap right now 
making her the happiest woman in the world, which is also a very funny thing to see my very southern dad in that same like Barker lounger and come home with his little cute chihuahua. Right. <laughs> this is a guy that wouldn't even let me have a dog in the house when I was growing up because they were supposed to work. But it's one of those signs of the universe. I'm doing the right thing because uh, my mom has a very happy companion and it makes her very happy. That's amazing. So you're starting to get a few clients. Like yep. how many clients can you like handle at one time? So I do two different options. The dog can stay with me for two weeks or I can work with you. Live here? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, there's three dogs right now that I'm training that are here. Oh, wow. Um, and um, so the dog can stay with me for two weeks or I can come meet with you for one um about seven weeks one session a week everything i do though like my whole impetus is or my, my whole my whole gig is like if you get a you get unlimited follow-ups because if i can't you know i'm not going to charge you if i don't meet your goals in seven weeks for me to keep coming back out you know what i mean right I a lot of dog training is 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 geared that way like you got to pay me every time i come out here I get people to pay me up front, and then I you got me for life. It's like going to therapy for exactly. forever. Like exactly. You never graduate. Exactly. What's 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 my motivation to really fix this for you? My motivation. You ain't got one. Yeah, my motivation is because I can't drive all over Atlanta like following up with dogs. So, yeah. So I do I do about three dogs every two weeks. They stay with me. Is that the is that preferable to going and visiting for seven weeks? I prefer it. Um, personally, just, I can get a lot more done. Um, cause when I have to leave the dog with, when I have to leave the dog, when the dogs, you know, is in home private sessions, they have, they're responsible for the repetitions. So they have to be going through everything. And it's a lot easier when a dog trainer, a professional is Does the practicing and the dogs here, they're immersed in it. You know, they are members of the family for two weeks. So, um, typically we, you know, they'll answer the door with me. You got here right when I was putting them up. Um, but they'll answer the door with me and then go over that issue we were just talking about, which is super, super common. But if it, it's more expensive, so I always tell people it comes down to time or money. Like if you've got the money to do this, definitely send them to me. You know, but right? You'll you have, have them back fast. You don't and, have the money and you got the time, and you got to be honest with how much time you have to work with them. But you'll be fine. We'll get great results either way. So let's say you're meeting a client for the first time. You're meeting their dog, uh, and you can pick what kind of uh, complaint they're having or just if they want just general dog training like how do you go about um meeting the dog analyzing the dog's needs how do you, so how do typically, you decide how to work with typically them? we just go over um to their house um take about an hour to explain to them what's going on um i try to put everything from the dog's point of view so people understand like what the dog is actually seeing and and why the dog is confused <laughs> why the dog is energetic why this where this behavior is coming from and I at least, whether the people sign up with me or not, I'd say a good portion of them get <laughs> enlightened. <laughs> I do think that some people just like to have pay me just to have me come over and argue with them. Because <laughs> it's a, like over yeah, what? Like uh, like, it, it, like dog trading. Like some clients will hire you and they will just argue. It's like, are you paying me just to argue with me? I don't understand. <laughs> are you going to yeah. listen to me? You're going to fall through with this or what? But anyhow, in the evaluation and then at the end of it, we tell them how we're going to meet their goals. Generally, you. 90% of the time, it's just generally doing basic obedience. Um, and then, you know, you can address specific issues separately, but you first want that good, solid base, a foundation of those, just those basic commands to work with. Um, that's how I approach it. There are different approaches where you come in and you teach dogs different skills. I'm a firm believer that the easiest thing to do is just basic obedience because you can set boundaries, communicate, all that stuff. That's going to cover, I would imagine, so, 
large percentage of what high 90 percentage <laughs> high 90s that makes sense um so give me a typical work day let's say you've got dogs get up at, here yeah get know? up at get up 6 37 generally um and i always have dogs here whether they're i mean i haven't had a break from training dogs without like taking it on my own for like six years and right now i'm booked until january okay um, i want to come back to that though. yeah <laughs> but uh so we always have them here i get up i let them out um go out there with them clean up after them much like I was doing at uh, dog daycare. Uh, bring them back in, feed the ones that eat in the morning. Some dogs eat different times. Um, come up, cook breakfast um, for myself, get ready. If I got time before I go out on my first appointment, I'll work with the dogs here or take them to a park on my way to the, the appointment or someplace with distractions. I go out and I typically either, I have, typically have three appointments with humans a day. I'm either taking the dog back to them or I'm going to do an evaluation, or I'm going to do one of those uh, weekly private in-home sessions, and generally done by about six or seven, but I got to work around nine to fivers hours a lot of times, so okay. it all depends. And that's what I love about it. It's no days, no two days are the same, and they haven't been in in uh, seven years. So. so how do you avoid burnout? Self-care, my man. Which yeah? you, I, what like, does that look like? You start doing this, and especially when I started, number one, I'm doing what I love, and I still wake up feeling like I'm the luckiest. I'm definitely the luckiest Justin Hall. <laughs> I'm the luckiest I can be right now. Right. But, um, and I'm, just, you're so, I'm so hungry. I definitely needed money, and you know everything's working. You know People are loving me, and then like a blink, three years have hit me, and I'm beyond stressed out. You know, And it's a very common issue for for dog trainers especially when you're just immersed in it like like we are um and i've talked to a lot of people since then that were went through some of the same stuff i did it's just beyond stress but you're so grateful you're never really off the clock though that's you what know I'm, that's what i'm hearing like even over even over christmas and things like that which is kind of good and I hope my wife doesn't listen to this because it gets me out of a lot of stuff ah sorry <laughs> i'd love to can't, go visit can't, the can't stay at the in-laws tonight got all i got six dogs in the house gotta get back and let them out what's sorry. the dog wizard gonna do it's not much of a secret my wife knows i do that all the time but and i love it because i'm a homebody too i actually like being at home or you know <laughs> so it's cool, cool but you gotta you gotta set boundaries for yourself and your clients like my days off are Sunday and Monday, and those days are holy, not in the traditional sense, but during football season, I'm not coming to your house to drop off a dog that was staying with me. You're not coming to my house to pick up the dog. I'm not making any plans at all. That sounds uh, like really and, smart. And before, I was, I was the boy who couldn't say no is what somebody <laughs> called me. Uh, do whatever people wanted. And you got to know how many clients you can take on. And then you, you, know, you got to reap the benefits of what you're doing. So once I got out of a hole... I started traveling, you know, so me and my wife take a good trip, at least one big trip every year. Nice. You know, always have something to look forward to. Yeah, my, that's my part theory. of the fun with the trip, right? Is yeah. like the anticipation, the research. The and if you don't have something lined up after that trip, it's like a freaking nightmare. Like right now, we've got a cruise coming in at the end of November, so I'm stoked for that. So you guys, I was Instagram told me you were going you went to Scotland. Yes, Scotland. So, while you're in Scotland or before Scotland, you already had, had we already had this plan. the cruise plan. We already had the cruise plan. And <laughs> speaking, of, we've got well, actually, we have a, a trip coming up after the cruise now planned too. But I, I believe so always having something to look forward to. Yeah, whether it's just the holidays too. Even know, though you like your, you love your day I job, love, and love what you're doing. I love you still it, but need, you got to take time off. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, um, you know, decompress. And my my job for the most part isn't very. I think 
isn't very stressful. I know what I'm getting into. Cleaning up diarrhea at 3 a.m. isn't the most fun thing in the world. You know, especially if it was a night you were celebrating something and you got to go clean up diarrhea because you hear a dog screaming like, oh, great. <laughs> right. And that's only happened a handful of times, but it's happened. But it's just – and then I – every time I think about it, I don't want a job interview. <laughs> I'm, lucky to be, I'm lucky to be doing what I do, but no first date, no job interviews. And in this gig too, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep your wits about you. I mean, I have, I haven't been working that, that many dangerous dogs, but if you're stressed out and you're working with a dangerous dog and it's, you know, and it's frustrating, it's like, that's a good way to get bit. And then I know, I know several ex trainers that got, you know, bit and PTSD and they can't work with dogs anymore. Okay. So I was about to ask, so why when people are ex trainers, is that the primary reason why people stop being a trainer or is it? Yeah. I think a lot of people, they don't know what they're getting into either. Not just because they got bit, but they think it's all golden retriever puppies and sunshine and rainbows. And, um, but the reality is, you know, you're going to be working with some fairly difficult dogs and you're going to be having a fairly demanding schedule. It's very hard to find a, uh, a, a, someone that can be in a relationship with somebody that operates a dog training business out of their home. My wife is is very very patient and, and loving. And, and people say, you "Must love dogs, huh?" When I was looking for a girl, I was like, "No, they must understand how dogs work. <laughs> <laughs> Not just love them. It's a lot more than that." But and that's tough, you know. But you gotta you gotta set boundaries. I don't expect her to ever. I never ask her to come home and let a dog out for me or anything like that. And um. Yeah, you know, this, is I always, your, this is your I business, ex- your career. And- I don't expect her to close a gate every morning before I go let dogs out into my backyard, which is, which is fenced in. There's also another gate. I double check on the gate, you know, and it's just you got you to gotta do that. I've heard a lot of horror stories and a lot of relationships that have ended. Oh, my gosh. And some people just aren't supportive. Like, they won't let their partners, like, train the dogs in their home, you know, and that would be a nightmare. I couldn't do it if, if I wasn't doing it here, but she's perfect in a, in a million ways that's one of them so how did you learn the the business side of this who does your accounting <laughs> like how did you find that like because you're starting a small I love, business I love, I love learn like <laughs> like like i have like i have any idea well, none, of going us, on. none of us are bored no, knowing this no, kind of stuff. Uh, no you're right which is a shame i i, I would like to learn a lot more about um business ownership and taxes instead of roman numerals in in school that would have been awesome but um, I hired a, a public account CPA. You know, she's worth every penny. Yeah. And because I used to have, I couldn't believe how well things were going for me. And I used to literally have nightmares with the IRS kicking in my door. <laughs> like, and that's the other thing is going to the franchise. We weren't, now they're training because it's on, on stuff like this. We have no idea. Yeah, you were and the he, first people to go through this. And so each state is different. And she was pretty much just like, figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, so yeah, but I'm very diligent. I, I write everything off. You know, the, the wonderful uh, system that the government has put up for us that they make us, you know, trick it and game it. But that's, we're playing by the do rules, you, have you know, advice for people starting their own business on hire an accountant. On if how, you don't, how do you how did you find your accountant? How do you how does one find I a good posted something on Facebook like, hey, I need a CPA. Um, and I mean, she's all the way in Roswell, which is I don't like to drive that far, um, but she's worth it. I go see her once a year and she, we go through everything. I just fill out QuickBooks. It's really not that difficult. It's It's tedious. Um, but once you get in the, the swing of it, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. I just plug in all my transactions in QuickBooks, not as diligently as I should. But. Are you a, uh, like what's your, what's your business category? Are you a LLC? Are you a, yeah, I'm an LLC, um, S Corp. S Corp. Yeah. Which, and why did you choose that? Or why did she sa- choose that? It or? saves me. Yeah. Why she chose it. It saves me X amount of dollars every year. 
and you know I have two employees now, and um, they're on my they're on a payroll, and I pay myself through a payroll as well because I'm technically one of my employees. Um, and that's and when you're paying that you're paying extra taxes, and you know. Well, tell me a little bit about the uh, the the transition from being swamped, I presume, <clears throat> to realizing that you needed to hire employees to help. Um, I hired somebody. A, a couple of years back and he worked out awesome and now he's doing his own thing down in Peachtree City um, South Atlanta Dog Wizard and then <laughs> I just I, I, I didn't honestly I was fine with it people would say it's a good problem to have to be booked out or they would say well just raise your prices and you know those aren't those are wonderful things to say but they're not <laughs> They're not really realistic. No, they're not. Uh, yeah, my, my prices are where are as, as really as high as they can be to, to really be competitive. And this, Atlanta's a very competitive market for dog training. Is it? Yeah, it's very competitive. I do. We're, um, we're a dog-loving kind of yeah, town. Yeah, and there's a lot of options out there. Thankfully, I I got in on it pretty early before it exploded, so I've got a lot of reviews and, and word of mouth, things like that. But um, I had a client actually, approach, former client actually approached me and wanted to get into it, and I was like, well you know, I could actually use some help. So I sent him to go get trained up in, um, in Charlotte and I paid for it because now it costs money. And, um, <laughs> he, uh, he came back and I was hoping he was going to be like cover some training for me and things like that. So I could take what the worst part about this gig is I can't, I can't take like a, like a spontaneous trip with my wife let's, and let's surprise her and say, Hey, we're going to Asheville this weekend. Right. You know, I try to make up for it by us taking really long trips. <laughs> like Scott, and she's happy, by the way. But I would love to do stuff like that. So I was hoping this guy could come in and kind of help me with that. But like uh, two months in, he's essentially a clone of me. He's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's got two dogs staying at his house every two weeks. He's got he's got clients he's going to meet with. So now he's too busy. So now we're booked up three months in advance again. And I just brought on. I'm in the third week of training this new employee. And she's going about it a different way because she's got two or three years experience. So... But I'm teaching her because she came from a school that was kind of like one of those other trainers I mentioned before, where it's just like, right, willy nilly. Let's just, let's figure out what we're working on today. But I mean, we're still booked. Like she now she she's been with me for three weeks and now she's booked. You know, I'm trying not to put too much on her, but I mean, here we are. I'm still telling people that we can't help them until January. And what is the general reaction with that heavens? It's anywhere from. Um, really mad <laughs> to understanding it depends on how severe their dog the issue with their dog is and how frustrated they are you know yeah um but i just had the experience with when irma came through we lost two giant trees in my backyard it was an absolute nightmare um and i was calling people to come out and replace the fences because i need the fences for my business and they're like yeah we won't be able to get to you till like two or three weeks i'm like you kidding me and then i'm like Oh, how, how do these people feel? <laughs> and aside from the fact you're leaving money on the table, you know, by not helping these people, you're not helping these people. <laughs> right. You know? So I, I, we do what we can, but, you know, I've had some people get really nasty with me, and I'm like, I'm doing the best I can. Like I'd like to. I don't I don't know what else to tell you, buddy. I'm yeah. doing the best I can. Just we'll get to you when we can. So I saw something on your website I want you to talk a little bit about, and that's Obedience Awards Freedom. Mm-hmm. You talk just a little bit about what that means as far as like a dog and a dog trainer and yeah, your dog's um, life. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier. About I mean, obedience is really the the bridge that we use 
to get to these places. So essentially what that's saying is once your dog is reliable, then you can grant them that freedom, you know? Um, and, and that's what a dog wants more than anything is to just to be able to like the best thing in the world you can do with your dog is take them for a, a hike in the woods off leash, let them go bound and smell stuff, chase squirrels, <laughs> you know, and then, but you can't do that unless you can reliably call them back. Cause you don't know what you're going to meet and your dog's not going to be off leash reliable or reliable really without some proper obedience. Okay. I think obedience kind of has like a negative connotation for some people too. It seems a lot like the word discipline, which discipline doesn't have that much of a negative connotation to me either. But some people like shy away from that word. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so some people are kind of like obedience. They just see like this very rigid, like robotic dog um, doing everything they say that the instant they say it. But it's not like that. You know, no, it's, and a, I love, it's, it's very relaxed and practical. I like the example of the dog being able to hang out in the yard with no fence while you wash the car. Yeah. You know, because, you know, as, the dog's not going to jump off into the into the, the road. As somebody put it to me a long time ago, a great dog is a dog you can give commands to and they'll follow. The best dog is a dog you don't have to give commands to. Oh, that's you know, and that's that's what everybody wants. They don't know how to articulate it like that generally. And usually, when I say it to people, they're like, "We're signed up. We'll wait till January." <laughs> <laughs> that's a pearl of wisdom. Uh, so, what do you what do you hear when your people are talking, or all, this can be other dog trainers or just the general populace? You know, what what's the kind of the bad advice that you hear being given about dog ownership or pet ownership or training? I what think, are the common mistakes that people are? I think um, there's so much bad advice <laughs> out there, and but that's the other thing is there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, as my uh, mom would say. But um, there's a million different ways to go about it. You know, I, I'm well versed in several. You know, so we'll be able to figure out a good way to do it. But don't think that there's one specific system that's going to solve everything but the biggest thing is just i think people they either give their dog away too much credit or not enough credit yeah. we've got to find some place in, in the middle they uh, people always think that their dog can understand them or that their dog is getting back at them with this behavior and it's, it's not that the dog no dog I, people always say my dog's not a bad dog i don't I don't think any dog is a bad dog. <laughs> yeah. If you just you just got to just hanging out with the wrong just friends. Like anybody else you got to lay out your expectations for it we take that for granted a lot of people think we can just bring a dog into our home and they'll fall in line and they'll let us know when they want to go outside and they won't chew up our tv remotes and things like that but if you've never told the dog that that they can or can't do something they're going to figure it out themselves and they're going to have the time of their life doing it so I mean, that's probably the biggest thing but other than that people the worst thing i've ever heard is people just say to ignore dogs when they jump on you turn away from them <laughs> Oh, really? That always cracks me up. I'm like, do that, <laughs> yeah. do that with an 80 pound lab puppy. You know? down your yeah, yeah. Nose. Just, keep, just keep doing that. See, see how that goes. Uh, are there books you would recommend? Yes, yes. People- there's so, there's so many books, and there's more and more coming out um, out uh, every day. Um, my favorite book that that are really adheres with with my philosophy is um, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend written by the monks of New Skeet, who are these uh, these monks uh, up in uh, northern new york i believe (laughs) i should know where they stay um um they train german shepherds and raise german shepherd these are monks yeah and and one of them actually his name's brother christopher i've only met him a couple of times sweetest dude on the planet um he helped um he just him and this guy named mark goldberg who's a big trainer um in in the chicago area just um worked on this book that just came out called let your dog be a dog which is my second 
favorite book I would I would suggest, and it's brand new. Um, Let the dogs be dogs actually is what I, I think it's called. Awesome, and we'll link to those in the show notes. So yeah, people, definitely. People um, have those. And another one by the monks in New Skeet. While I'm thinking about it, it's art of raising a puppy. Okay. That's that's my. When I didn't have time to work with puppies, I would tell people just to get that book and read it cover to cover. So if somebody's getting a new puppy for Christmas and is bringing a puppy, mm-hmm. that's a good place to that's start. That's a good place to start, yeah. But I mean, if you know, obviously I'm going to say this. I mean, obviously what we do is a luxury, you know. But if you really want to get out in front of it and, and provide the best life for your dog, hire a professional. What you don't have age? to hire me. Um, <laughs> I, we start our puppy programs from at two months, really is I think the best time once they're all inoculated and we're not worried about them getting sick um, or when with meeting other dogs or with getting out and about because a lot of nasty bugs out there that dogs can catch as puppies. Randy's a parvo survivor. A what? Parvo survivor. Parvo, that's a parvo dog disease. It's a terrible virus that um, essentially like makes it so painful. And I don't know the ins and outs, but how the vet told me at the time, it makes it so painful for them to eat or drink that they just stop doing it and they die of dehydration. Oh God, that's horrible. It's awful. And it's like their insides like liquefy. I could be talking about my posterior right there. I'm not sure, <laughs> but that's what I heard. But anyhow, he made it. But yeah, any two months to six months is a great time to start with just some foundational stuff. Do you have to redo it later? Like, are they learning different things as a puppy than they would learn, like, as a three-year-old? Or, like... No. Yeah, that's... that's. I often, <laughs> Is that a stupid I often, question? I, no, it's not. It's a great question. You, you, no, it's a great question. And it's, 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 again, how we kind of expect dogs to be like humans we expect them to learn like humans and it's just not true a lot of people also feel like basic obedience is like sending your your kid to law school okay i'll use that example <laughs> he went to law school cool i don't have to worry about hank anymore he's gonna um he's gonna be a lawyer it's not true with dogs you, you once you learn how to communicate and keep these skills you have to keep it up okay it's just like a diet exercise regiment you got to you got to be consistent with it, you know, um, and keep it up. But I make it as practical as possible. You don't have to do it every day. You don't have to have these specific sessions. But you start with foundations as a puppy, and then we can, and then we can take that further. You know, you can you can do off leash training. You can do further basic obedience training um, to solve. And it's just super minor stuff. I actually wish I had enough time to get into stuff like teaching dogs some tricks and and you know, other types of classes, but I just, it just doesn't fit my business model right, right now. It's just too much. <laughs> you know, what do you, uh, what do you feed dogs? What should people feed their dogs? Raw food. I would suggest, a like raw, raw. I would say the heavy, Is that- yeah. With a uh, heavy focus on ketogenic, um, diet. Do you, are you familiar with the ketogenic diet? I am. I call oh, it the ketogenic, ketogenic diet myself, ketogenic, but I don't keto, know if yeah. that's correct. I don't know. It's, that's probably like GIF and GIF. Is I don't that know. what you, uh, you follow the ketogenic yeah. diet? Yeah. Um, I have no sugars, no grains essentially is what I am not as strict as I was last year when we got back from Mardi Gras, I did it and I lost 30 pounds in, in, in two months. So did you take off drinking for I those took two off months? Drink, that was when I took off drinking for one month. Do you monitor but, your, but then I was just drinking uh whiskey. I didn't drink beer. Okay. I've really stepped back from beer a lot. I should too. It's so delicious. I love it though. It's so good. It's the best thing in the world. It is the worst thing in the world for your for your body. But same thing with this, and there's a lot of good stuff. I'd love to talk about um, people checking out Rodney Habib and Planet Paws and Dr. Karen Becker on um, and you can find all this on Facebook. And there's, we'll link to this in the show notes. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share that with you too. Um, so uh, I've been leaning towards raw for a long time with my dog Randy. Um, I fed him raw a couple of years ago. I got into it because essentially pet food is 
And again, I want to say I'm not a doctor. I'm just a trainer. This is just stuff I've read and <laughs> things like that. Feel free to fact check this. I don't care. Um, again, talking out my rear. But um, pet food is pretty terrible. Even if you're buying the higher end stuff, it's full of sugar. Even if it's no grains, they got to put more sugar in it to keep it all, you know, it's a starch. They got to keep it all compacted together. And that stuff is garbage. Like just take a piece of kibble and rub it against your wrist for five minutes. Your, your wrist is going to start to open up. And that's what's going on inside of their stomach. So you got inflammation and sugar. Those are, and those two things are cancer's best friend. Uh, so that's the thing you should check out is, is what they're doing with a ketogenic, ketogenic, however you pronounce it, uh, diet. Um, they're reversing some like cancer. And they've got some actual data, which people always ask about. And I can't, I'm not, I don't have the data, but you should definitely check that out and look into the raw diet. I can speak personally for Randy. Randy had a growth on his back rib. And it was there for about three years. I took him to several vets, and they were all like, if, if it doesn't grow, don't worry about it. So it wasn't growing. And every time they would look at it, it wasn't growing. Everybody was trying to talk me into getting it biopsied anyhow. But I'm weird about putting him under in an advanced age. I've heard some horror stories, and I just didn't think there was anything wrong with it. So I just started his, him on, the, on this diet with a heavy focus on the ketos and, and getting a higher fat content, low carbs, um, and green vegetables. Three weeks. I'm not not making this up. That that bump is completely gone. That's I, I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. What right. it was, but it is completely gone. So and he he's got more energy. His fur's better. He's 12 years old. I mean, I got video of him hopping over a tennis net, tennis court net on uh you know on Monday. So he's still partying. Now, he's a more energetic dog, but he's a lot so much happier. So what made diet. you go to the the keto diet? Myself, um, I'm, I'm toying with it. I just don't know if I can. It's tough. You don't have to go to full ketosis and measure your blood. I'm not doing that. That's silly. I don't. But just cut out grains and sugar is really, and then higher focus on fat. Um, I'd kind of toyed away with a similar thing. Um, Tim Ferriss's four hour body or whatever. I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with that. I, am. I did that and I had great results. Did you just now that you can do beans on that? Yeah, and and I used to eat same thing every morning. Two eggs and like a cup of beans and some green vegetables. What are you morning. eating now? Two pieces of bacon, three eggs, and a cup of spinach mixed with um, sauteed in some butter and garlic. Um, and no, I saw. Is this, I ha- is this fancy bacon, I presume? No. I try to find it without the nitrates in it because I think that stuff is bad. But um, So but two it, eggs, bacon, and spinach. Mm-hmm. Oh, and an avocado, half avocado. Half avocado. Yeah, I got to get an avocado. But. Um, I'm not as strict to it as I was, but I had great results and had great energy. And you cut out the beer, and, and I cut out the whiskey. beer, and, I, and but I would, I wouldn't get, you know, I wouldn't get insane about it. I would have a cheat day, you know, like Sundays are a great cheat day. But with the Tim Ferriss thing, he was like, "Go balls to the walls with your cheat day," right? And I just, I didn't want to. With when you're sticking to this diet that I was on, you don't feel like it. Like sugar just felt gross. You know, like I wasn't hungry for it. And I think that's it. built into it. They yeah. say you can do it, but you don't want to. It's yeah, like, but I was, I wanted to have like pizza and stuff, you know, and I yeah. would have a pizza on Sunday. It would be tougher to, to keep losing the weight, but every week I was losing weight. Yeah, I, I got to do something. I was 245 when we came back from, from uh, Mardi Gras. And then I was, and then I was down to 207 um, afterward, like before we went to Scotland. And now I'm like 217. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, you look good, and well, you have energy. I appreciate. It. I appreciate. It. I need to. Uh, I need. I need to look good and have energy myself. <laughs> it's. It's. 
You know, it's it's tough to eat the same thing over and over, but it's really not that difficult for me. I'm not addicted to carbs like my wife and a lot a lot of, a lot of people are. Well, I think right? most people are. Yeah, I know, you know whether they know it or not. And I, I'm lucky. That's one of the I few, say I'm not, but I totally am. That is one of the few vices I don't have. So <laughs> it's it's carbs. Uh, my wife has a uh, saying about uh, pets that you should. I won't say she she doesn't say never. But she thinks that every member of a species should deserve to live with another member of their species. So if you're getting a cat, get two cats. Oof. They have somebody to you know to keep going. If you have a dog, get two dogs. Yeah. Do you? Is there the, a lonely dog syndrome? Is that a thing? Is I that don't think so. They you get so attached to us. You know, I mean, the relationships we form with them are as strong, if not stronger, than most of their relationships with dogs. You know. Oh, interesting. Um, and they have a social hierarchy, so it's good for them. My dog, Randy, he doesn't, he's great with the dogs. He's not aggressive or anything, but he can give a shit about them. He'd rather hang out with a person and a tennis ball than another dog, you know? Yeah. Do you have breed preferences to work with or breed preferences for your own? To work with? I wish. And then for your own I wish it was. I wish it was all golden doodles and labradoodles, you know? <laughs> when, I, when you put that doodle at the end of it, I'm at your door and I Why? can't wait it because they're just they're really bright dogs and they're they're funny. So and it's the poodle side that's the bright side? Well, yeah, and golden retrievers. I mean, golden retrievers. I could honestly just train golden retrievers, labs, German shepherds, and then any put any doodle under there and stay in business. You know? I could totally do that if I wanted. Right. Um, but... Obviously, there's there's other breeds out there that need help, but they're just great. They're fun loving. They're motivated. Um, they're great. I mean, if they're great for families, a vast majority of them are. You can't. You don't want to generalize too much with breeds, but there's some traits that are obviously there. All right, in danger of generalizing too much. Like there's the pit bull community seems mm-hmm. to be very vociferous in in uh, defense of their dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there something to you know, they had a horrible press for years. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of things going on with that. I mean, I obviously if like there's one pit bull attack the, and then there's not much going on. They're going to sensationalize the hell out of it. And then it'll come out that it wasn't a pit bull. It was like a border collie, like this last terrible, the one that I remember the news that just happened in Atlanta, like a, maybe less than a year ago, it turned out there were three dogs roaming and it turned out the the dog wasn't a pit bull that attacked the poor kid that didn't make it. It was awful, but oh, well. the, the breed specific, and I do have thoughts on this. It, pit bulls. Um, so for my theory is, you know, for centuries, dogs were bred for not just appearances. They were bred for personality traits. If a dog seems scared or, you know, or too aggressive, if that's not what they wanted the dog to do for, you know, whatever they're breeding them for, whether it be hunting or companionship, and that dog wouldn't be allowed to continue to breed, whether that's putting them down there or <laughs> just not letting them, uh, you know, uh, meet other dogs. Right. Pit bulls became very popular um, and they were overbred and they were a lot of them overbred for bad reasons, uh, you know, um, and, but people weren't taking into account their personalities, you know, um, but, uh, and so they, and then just, the breeding just went rampant and like, not to mention all the ones that are just strays and, and, kept breeding and breeding and breeding and there's no regular you know that nobody was regulating it but pits are also so i think that's where a big problem happens there's a lot of pits out there that are you know just a little bit a little there's a couple of screws loose but um but pits are also like the sweetest and like most sensitive breed that i i work with on if you talk to any dog professional they will tell you you ask them what the most sensitive dog breed they work with they'll hands down they'll all say pitbull um 
they're really sensitive to the tone of your voice. They're sensitive to honestly how you're feeling, things like that. And they get their feelings hurt. And when they get their feelings hurt, they they react. And the thing about pit bulls is, you know, in any bully breeds, they were bred to be stubborn. And to when they go after something, they don't stop. And they've also been another thing with the breeding that hasn't been regulated is they've been bred to be pretty muscular and their jaws to be very, very powerful. So when they do the damage, you know, it's it's pretty it's significant. A lot of damage. But breed specific legislation is a hundred percent bullshit. And it's it if you start regulating any breed, no matter what it is, I guarantee you other breeds are going to start having these same problems that we're seeing with pits. Pits are, I think pits do have a higher drive and all these things that go with it. So you do, you should definitely be a more responsible owner. And a lot of people that contact me when they get a pit bull, they're like, I just don't want, because I know people when they see this dog, they, they, they have the stigma with it. So I don't want to deal with that. And I want to show my dog. And I love those people. Those are right. the people that I instantly say, and they're like so worried. I'm like, you're going to be fine. You know, I know you're going to be fine because you took the time to reach <laughs> for a professional. You know, and like so you know what you're, you're going to be fine, and this is going to be awesome. Right. So, but it's it's a legit problem. But breed specific legislation is bullshit. Do you have any thoughts on uh, registered dogs versus non-registered dogs, no. or rescue dogs versus non-rescue dogs? I think res- the only thing with rescue dogs is is. And people always love to tell me that they got a rescue dog like before I come out. And it's a, a couple of things. Number one, that means that they're really concerned with this dog's backstory. And I'm not. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not trying to sound harsh or anything. I'm working with reality and I'm working with a dog right in front of me. Right. And I, that's kind of how I approach life, too. Like, I'm not too worried about what got us here. <laughs> but let's focus on what we're working with now. Because if you start bringing emotion and things into this, which, I mean, there's naturally going to be some emotions. But if you start picturing your dog huddling in a shelter you know at night and then you're not going to do what's needed for the dog i always tell people i'm not worried about you giving this dog enough affection you've got that down right let's work on the structure and 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 some mental exercises for this dog you you've got all that down but and i think people like to who rescued who they, they kind of get a little little pat on the back when they do it and I, i'm with those people i'm like let's be honest you got a dog for free Okay, you didn't rescue anything. <laughs> did you? Uh, did you ever see the Amy Schumer uh, little like sketch on this? I don't know. It was like at a doggy daycare thing, and like the you know, the oh, put yeah, her yeah, coat yeah, up yeah. and like, well, mine's a rescue, and like mine's a rescue, but only has three legs. And, like, yeah. and the mine, like the one dog that, is just dead. Yep. You know, so she's trumped yes. all of those. And that is one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of that out there. Uh, I want to say thank you for your time. And of course. I'm having a great time. Good. I just have some questions that I ask every guest. So okay. This can be quick, you know, or long, just depending on. Okay. Are you going to, is this Rorschach test? It's a little bit like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you or did you growing up, do you have a favorite bookstore? That, uh, bookstore? That was Are you a reader? Is that something that's. Um, I'm not much of a reader, to be honest. I've been listening to a lot of books on tape lately, though. Uh, do you do Audible or do you yeah, do another thing? Ready Player One and, and Blood Meridian. But I did read a lot of Kurt Vonnegut. Like yeah, I said you said earlier, earlier right? I love I love old science fiction, but I never had the time. And now there's so much freaking media. How can you who can sit down and read? <laughs> I wish I could. I need to get better at it. But I just listen to a book every night before I go to bed. I got you. Titans games and comics. So if, if that's technically a bookstore, right? Where is that? It's in Duluth, and it's still open too. By the way, it's a great place. Okay, all right, all right. Um, I've already asked that question, so I'm not going to ask that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, so there's a fire. Okay. All your pets. All the pets. Your wife, wife. You. Everybody's safe. But you have time. You can grab three things. What are those three things that you're oh, going to grab? Man. I know. So the, the dog is is good. Everybody's every living thing. All is right. Good. So I, here's how I'm picturing. I'm coming back in to get three things. 
Um, I guess. And if, it's, if it, you know, it can be a refrigerator. You can like in this magical question yeah. world, you can lift a refrigerator. If it's yeah, a refrigerator. I'd probably grab. Um, I'd probably grab like my PlayStation just so I don't have to go back and and and. Like I got some good saves on there. I don't want to have to do all that, put all that work. <laughs> what are you playing? In, in there, in there again. Well, right now I'm actually playing Nintendo Switch. I'm playing uh, the new Mario Odyssey, which is a, a masterpiece. Is it uh, really? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really have. I hate to give you a shitty answer like that, but, I'm, but I'll just make something because I really don't have an attachment to anything. Well, no, that's a, I think that's an ideal I, maybe, answer. Like, maybe things so, are not that well, important. I mean, maybe some sentimental stuff because my wife's from um, New Orleans and her family got wiped out. During Katrina, you know, they're they're with us. Their stuff got wiped out. I'm sorry, and you you especially like pictures and things like that, like sentimental yeah. value. So I'd probably like I made I painted that for my wife, or that's markers. Um, I'd probably that's a Mardi Gras theme. We'll show a picture of that. Can we show a picture of that? Yeah, that? we'll definitely take a picture of that. <laughs> I'd probably grab that's that. Awesome, it's and, and stuff like that. But snowball fight. I don't have that much attachment. I feel like especially now, I just feel like if. if well, Even if I lost something, you can just go buy it again now. It, we have access to everything. Well, I think that's like a good place to be in life. Yeah. You know, I think that's a sign of like maturity. Is or it that douchey, or should I have been like, the Bible? Um, and <laughs> I don't know. You can still be that. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, so, is there a quote or a quip or something or philosophy, like a, a line that you come back to that kind of uh, um, inspires you or keeps you kind of focused on your. Keeps you on track. I'm not, not even sure how accurate it is, um, but uh, never ever give up or whatever. <laughs> that uh, was Jim Valvano. Oh, no, well, yeah, but Winston Churchill never, never, never give up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy V. That's a good one too. But I, I always just think that, and like my dad was the same way. Um, he he used to say something: can't can't never could do nothing, boy. I, my my mom said that. Did she really? That, that, that that's too. a southern yeah. thing, and can't only a never, few can't never do, can't never could that? do. It's like six can't negatives, so it's it's got, it's got like an algebra problem to figure out what the hell they <laughs> yeah, say. Right. But that rings in my ear every morning. Like just just try and then never give up. You know what? No um, what. So is that that might be part of the answer too? But so what you were talking about, like the dogs reading your mood in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, you're eating well. Mm-hmm. You know, do you exercise? Do you meditate? Like, what? How do you ensure that when you walk out of that backyard, that you are in a good place? Oh man, I'm, I'm again. I'm stoked every morning. I'm happy to see those fuzzy little bastards every morning. Yeah. You, my wife, I'm, I've always been a quote unquote morning person, which I, I mean, which is kind of weird even when you wake up hungover. But yeah, I'm I feel like, like that's that's I hard like, for me to believe. I like makeup songs for dogs. You know, like when they're here. Like, <laughs> um, there was a dog named. Biggie here the other day, and I was just like, Biggie, 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 can't you see? We're gonna let you out the crate, yeah. <laughs> doesn't have to rhyme in my world seeing gotcha. dogs, but I'm I'm stoked. I love cooking my breakfast every morning. I get Alexa to play. Oh, what didn't? Right, cool. She's not gonna play that. She is crap. <laughs> she wants to cook. So it's, I get her to play some songs in the morning, and it annoys she, my wife. She on, cannot be named. It annoys my wife on Saturday mornings, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy in the morning. All right, so I think I know the answer to this, but uh, you go into the bar. Mm-hmm. What's your go-to drink, go-to beverage? Uh, it's Yeah, it's either Jameson or Scotch, but most likely, I mean, if you're any given day, you're going to see me with a Jameson on the rocks. I'm trying to avoid the beer, but if, right, I, have a right, beer, right. if I have a beer, it'll be an IPA or a Guinness. Uh, all right, so you were a you know film major in college. Is there a film 
that everybody should see? And I have this as a film or book, but mm-hmm. you know, so either one or both. I get asked that you as soon as you tell people you're a film grad, they're always like, "So, what's your favorite movie?" Or what do you think of Schindler's List? Or <laughs> you know, that's, but that's coming up. Monday. I I hope. Oh, what a surprise! I feel like Raising Arizona is the it, to me is a perfect movie. But um, I feel like if you haven't seen that, you really should. I can watch it multiple times, and I feel I felt something different every time. And it's a standing back. It's kind of a silly movie, but depending on how you react to that movie it tells me a lot about you. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> the film is Rorschach test. I like yes, that. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite failure? Favorite failure? Yeah. I got to say getting laid off at, from that gig. Yeah. I don't know if that's, you know, maybe I could have been a better em- employee, but I, I look at that anniversary. It's April uh, 26th, I believe, somewhere around there. I'll get the notification on Facebook this year. Um, and it's, it was the best thing, best worst thing that ever happened to me. That's it I love the fact, the fact that it you know me. the date. It led me here. It's some it I don't know exactly. It's somewhere in April. I just remember. Now we're gonna go with the yeah, the, the yeah, date. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> uh, so I would imagine this question. I think I know the answer to this one too. But do you have a favorite investment that you've made in yourself? And this can be money, classes, probably going to Charlotte. I would imagine would have been. I think no. I think my favorite that obviously is is big when it's led me to. But my favorite investment is has been traveling. I I, I can't believe how much I've gotten out of it as like a person let's talk about that for a second because i have not traveled at all Mm -hmm. always thought i would it's my probably my biggest disappointment in myself that i don't travel Uh uh-huh your kid's old enough now you can probably bring him along too i know so where do you pick how to go how do you plan your trips i never traveled either because i never had any money like i and of course i could have taken advantage of this stuff at school like my wife studied abroad. She lived in Italy for like three months. I can't months. believe I didn't study abroad. Why do we not do this? I don't know. Why my didn't son I take an will though. Why didn't I? St- yes, he will, and that's that's good. So much fun. And I was. You really realize how closed-minded you are, and how sheltered you are. And I haven't been to like any place wacky. Right, I'd right, say. Right. <laughs> I, I've been to Ireland, Scotland, and and Amsterdam, and around, around the Netherlands. Um, in France, we went to Normandy and stuff like that to see um, D-Day sites. But just from going to these places, these places aren't wildly exotic or different, but they're just different enough to realize and see how other people view uh, the, the states and just everything. Oh it's just no. so eye-opening. Not to mention just like how beautiful and fun it is. Just like Scotland's fucking gorgeous. I bet. Okay. Um, you, if I could recommend someplace, somebody go someplace, especially if you've got some heritage, go there. Like it's... It's so much fun. You cover all the bases too. You got great culture, and you got great food. Surprisingly enough, a lot of people don't realize that. And you got great scenery and outdoor stuff. You can get it all done in two weeks. I think we're doing a family trip this summer somewhere good. I would suggest that or Ireland. What is your heritage? Turn uh, turn around on you. Cherokee. (laughs) Yeah, Cherokee. I'm a member of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians. Nice. So my dad's side is mainly Cherokee. My mom's side is Irish and English. Okay. Good. So Kelly so was the family name. I'm Irish and Scottish. I'm as honky as they come. All really. right. <laughs> My DNA. So I would like to do. I would like to do England, Ireland. Do you know? Do some Shakespeare. Do some London. Yeah. Do some Dublin. Yeah. And we do have, some driving around. I want to do England next. Um, we kind of hold, held off on that. We want to do the more, like to me, like Ireland and Scotland just seem a lot more interesting and fun, and they are to me. They're a little more colorful than I guess the UK. But yeah, well, I I I'm, I think they all are. But it's also theater. You know. Yeah. London's exactly. Are, you know, but, you want to go. But I just say just get out there and, and even if you go someplace interesting in the States, you know, but I didn't get a passport until I was 31. I don't have a passport. I know. That's crazy. It's horrible. 
Well, get out there. I'm going to. It's <laughs> your oyster, buddy. Uh, so what would other people say your superpower is? My su- I, a lot of people think that I can, like, it's intuition with dogs. Yeah. But again, it's just a skill you've learned, I think. So what would you say your superpower is? Um, nobody orders at a drive-thru faster than I do. <laughs> yeah, what are the keys to You know what I mean? This? Or at, at the bank. Does it not see, I'm like, I'm, I've got everything ready to go and let's go. I always see like I'm behind like people that are taking so long. I mean... Nobody orders. I'm a, I'm, I'm a really good order at a restaurant, <laughs> too. Like, every time the food comes out, everybody, if, if it's a new place, everybody's looking at my plate like, damn, I should have got that. That's outstanding. But, yeah, I just I feel like we order really well. Or in, in hand, like, any, any sort of a line situation, I've got everything ready to go because I'm bam, boom, let's get the fuck out of here. I'm That's always, awesome. I'm always behind somebody <laughs> asking for six things. You don't honk or anything, do you? No, never. Okay. Okay. I don't honk unless it's, like, an emergency situation i'm not in a hurry to get anywhere uh where can people find you on the internet you can um follow follow my business exploits on instagram at atlanta dog wizard and i'll, I'll just say like i i think i don't know if i follow you there or at your personal you can follow my personal exploits at plf machine it's uh, awesome like watching these videos when these dogs are placing and you can find it's atlanta, very cool atlanta dog com, and you can find uh, atlanta dog wizard on facebook and um but yeah that's that's your best bet and then you know if you're lucky maybe you can see me at the village theater every once in a while <laughs> outstanding justin hall thank you so much for your time this has been immensely fun this has been a lot of fun man thanks uh, a lot we will see you soon i hope uh, you will peace Thank you for listening to the Origin Story Podcast. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.